Welcome to the Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Passano. Airing live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 FM in New Orleans. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Wednesday night segment of The Outer Realm. We are broadcasting live on the United Public Radio Network, UFO, Paranormal Radio Network, 105.3 and 107.7 FM from the beautiful city of New Orleans. We're fully sponsored by the amazing people over at Folgers Coffee, who have been a part of our journey since the very beginning. So thank you, Folgers. Would not be the same without you. Also... We would like to thank Dr. Snick, the sonic surgeon, a.k.a. Justin Snicker, for his contribution of his time, his music, and his voice for the intro you just heard. He's an award-winning composer of Halloween horror, sci-fi, and dark wave electronic music, which can be found on all of your favorite music streaming platforms. Also, big thank you to Steve McGinnis, the artist behind all of the banners and logos here at the show. Check him out on Facebook and Instagram. Also specializes in the Halloween genre. However, he can do any commission piece. And he does books, comics, and graphic novels, things of that nature. So check him out. Now, tonight is more of a commemorative for our veterans and fallen ones. We are going to be discussing... You know, haunted locations, um, military stories, time slips, UFO sightings, but everything will pertain in one form or another to our our soldiers and um, our military, Air Force, Navy, you name it. And in order to do that, you have to head over to all of the designated chat rooms. You guys know the drill. They're all there. But tonight, since Amelia is not with me, I thought I would do something a little bit different. And I'm bringing on three people who are near and dear to me, basically family. We have, I'll chime in one at a time, Dolly Saffron. Hello. Preston Dennett. Hello. Hello. Wayne Mallows. Hello. (laughs) They've all been on the show numerous times, and we thought it would be fun to do this together because we all have really uh, good insight into pretty much everything. And Dolly is ex, you know, military. So that would be, that would be fun. And thank you for your service, Miss Dolly. (laughs) Good. So what I thought we would start essentially is just with good old haunted locations. We're going to work our way over to the real juicy stuff because I know we've got a lot of um, your people in the joint, come on, let's just get to the, you know, to the UFO. So we're going to do our best, but you know, we're a complete high strangeness show and we, we have to tackle, um, other stuff too. There we go. So I don't know. Let's start with haunted locations. Why don't we start with one of the most famous in the United States, which of course is Pearl Harbor, USS Arizona, Ford Island. Okay. These have a really long history. In fact, 
that goes back to 1875 when the Hawaiian Kingdom signed, let me see if I get this word right. Uh, Dolly, you probably know it better than I would. The Reciproc <laughs> Reciprocity Treaty. Did I say that right? Yes. Yes. Good. Thank you. That was a twister. And the U.S. Senate allowed the Navy to lease the lagoon as a naval base. Of course, we know it suffered devastating losses on December 7th, 1941, when Japan attacked and thousands lost their lives. So uh, is it, how do you pronounce the Air Force Base? Is it Hickam? Hickam? Hickam. Hickam. Air Force Base, see, look at that, uh, which sits next to the harbor, was also attacked, as was USS Arizona. So the haunted reports that come out of here are the oldest associated, um, you know, ghost associated with this in this area was that of a man named Charlie, and no one was really sure who he was, but he kind of surfaces everywhere, and people see him pretty much regularly. Uh, as for the base, there are reports of strange sounds, apparitions of civilians, visitors, soldiers, other souls. Security forces allegedly do not like to walk the grounds at night because of all the paranormal activity. People report feelings of tremendous sadness, which is understandable, extreme pain, as well as experiencing feelings of being incredibly frightened for no apparent reason. The airstrip, people report a real sense of panic. Again, you would understand why. Strange glowing mist that seems to float about um, and then, of course, the U.S. Arizona speaks for itself. The bodies of her crew still rest within her sunken walls. So it's said to be the most haunted spot in the area. People have seen apparitions of soldiers uh, over on the dock of the vessel. Um, other guests or ghosts, rather, said to wander the deck when the tide is low. And there's a lot of phantom sounds. And this is all over the island, by the way. So there's a lot of activity around there. And I guess my question is, um, I guess we'll we'll start with Dolly because you're military. Okay. Um, is, I mean, is this? I understand things leave an imprint in time. A great loss of life would most certainly leave an imprint in time and space. Yes. Um, is it, this seems to be the norm for a lot of places where there have been battles and. And but even like your even airstrips and even military bases, this is pretty rampant all over the place. Do you want to chime in? Do you have some of your own tales to tell? Uh, well, I'll tell you why I think all that occurs, by the way. Um, when it's that traumatic and that many people die and that many people are emotionally involved in it, we all send our mind at the time to that spot and we all join in in it at the same time. And what happens is, is we lock the energy in and they're there. And people who come to the memorials to see what happened are instantly drawn into it. It's replaying for them over and over and over. And we're all psychic. We can hear this stuff whether we know it or not. Mm. And they, they, uh, it's like they turn the volume up on it. Their consciousness helps raise up what's playing and, the, and everybody can hear it. Um, I know that from time to time, a person doesn't leave the area. And some of those hauntings are pretty spectacular from what I understand. You know? right. I think you got a couple of things going on at the same time. And right. it's really, really hard. It's like that at the towers where the memorial is there. People, you know, they're at the actual site there. That's why they put it there. And um, people can walk around it and stuff. Somebody jumped the fence, ran down in there. He got caught, but he said he was compelled to go in. I mean, literally compelled. So, I mean, the bigger the 
the consciousness of everybody knowing what happened, plus those involved, and boom, you've got it, you know? That's interesting, feeling compelled to just jump in. Right, right. How about you, Preston? What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I'll echo what Dolly says. There's lots of cases where people go to haunted locations and start acting out what the people actually went through. Right. So especially if you're psychically sensitive in any way. And it doesn't surprise me at all that a location like that would be haunted because we right. know that sudden death is one of the causes, one of the leading causes really of hauntings because people, especially who are not expecting it, uh, don't know that they're dead. And that can sound absolutely outrageous. But the fact is, a lot of people aren't expecting to feel normal and alive when they're not. So right. they just assume that they are alive, but they're not. Right. So um, maybe they have no no idea. It just happens so fast. None at all. Know? And also right. you can get caught in this weird kind of feedback loop. Right. Where you are reenacting the trauma over and over again. Like a replay. Yeah, it's very much like falling into a dream or a nightmare that you mm-hmm. go over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Finally, a medium will come and talk to them and ask them, do you know what year it is? Right. <laughs> They'll think it's you know, 1942 or whatever and are absolutely shocked to find out that no, you know, 50, 100 years. They're still they're still rolling with it. They're still fighting. That's so yeah. That's so sad. Some of these are absolutely what we would call residual hauntings. Right. I mean, there's active hauntings where the spirit is really there. Yes. And residual hauntings where you, even if you have just a, no psychic ability at all, mm-hmm. these are the kinds of locations if you go to, right. you can actually pick it up. Right. But yeah, because it's just a replay in time. Whereas an intelligent haunting, you can actually get intelligent responses in your exactly. communication. Yeah, and it's that intense. You don't need even need you to don't, be yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's all over. <laughs> Wayne, what are your thoughts? Um, I think like with a battlefield specifically, any any place like that, you have to remember one thing is that not just the person passing away, but it's the fear. Like they might have been in that for an hour. They might have been in it for three hours. But there's this massive fear that's running through their, their whole body, their whole being, mm-hmm. leading up to the time when, when they're physical, you know, demise. Mm-hmm. So you've got that on top of the physical demise. Mm-hmm. But it's also this expulsion of energy. And we've talked about this before, just in a house. Like you could have someone fall down a set of stairs traumatically, and that creates a haunting, a, a live haunting. Mm-hmm. Um, but can you imagine like having something as massive as like thousand people dying, tens of thousands of people dying mm-hmm. in one place, you'll have a medley of spirits that know what's going on. They know they're dead, or maybe they don't know they're dead, but they're active. Then you have this expulsion of energy that goes into everything. It goes into the ground. It goes into trees, the buildings, everything around you is like, boom, it goes around the planet that goes out. Yeah. And that's the mist that you walk through. Right. When you walk into a place like that, I've walked into buildings that are haunted and there's just one one spirit there and you can feel it's right there. I can't imagine walking into a place that is that enveloped in that kind of energy. It would just be overwhelming. So it leads me to this question. Um, what do you guys think? We know, because I'm going based on Dolly's comment, that it, it 
we feel this around the world because especially during the great you know the great wars we did feel that everybody was a part of it in one form or another do you think that there's an effect dimensionally speaking who yes. wants to go first yeah, yeah okay, we'll is. start with dolly we'll go yeah, it is rhythm. our consciousness is interdimensional we're not locked our consciousness is not locked here even though our physical body's in the third dimension, our consciousness, who we really are, can freely move about and go anywhere it wants. And it is, uh, we're all connected to one another. We're all interdimensional beings this way, okay? So when something traumatic happens, everybody's consciousness is aware of it. They know, they, they, they're more aware than our physical minds are, unless you're hooked up to it and you can see it when it happens. Right. And uh, it, it's global, the whole planet lights up. It's like, like you said, it's an unbelievable burst of energy. Even one person dying can cause something traumatic like that. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's, it's amazing. I mean, especially during wartime and, you know, other types of people being ended. It's, it's crazy. Right. I, had a, I had an experience on Fort Benning when I was in the military, I was um, in transportation, you know, the TMP, I drove everything. And, um, <laughs> I got sucked into doing WINSEC one year. That's uh, what people call the School of the Americas. And they were trying to teach them what it really was. So they had a whole bunch of us drivers show up in military buses outside the gates and pick them up, load them up and take them to the WINSEC building. And they would sit and have a meeting and they would show movies and they would have military personnel there to talk to them because we had huge demonstrations there for years, okay? Now, I was told that I was doing this and I had to report. So I went to the building to report to the captain there. And he's talking to me. And out of the corner of my eyes, I see this dude standing in the corner. And I'm like, I'm not seeing this. And I, I kind of like turn like this and look. And there's a guy in a, in a, in a Revolutionary War outfit. Might have been, well, he was in dress with a three-pointed hat on, feather and everything, and a saber. And I looked at him and he nodded at me. Now, my captain's like, are you paying attention to me or not? And I turned back to him and I'm like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he got real quiet and he said, oh, no, you can see him, can't you? And I said, who am I seeing? And he said, we have a ghost. And he said, apparently he likes you or you can see him easily. I don't know. And he said, what is he doing? And I said, uh. And I turned and looked at him again and he did doff this cap to me. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I'm not coming back in here. You know this, right? He said, no, I don't want you back in here today. Just drop them off. Don't come in the door. We don't need them to be haunted, okay? And I'm like, okay, fine. And I did, and I stayed outside all day. I stayed on the vehicle, let them go in and come back out. That was my one experience on the base. It was very weird. But yeah. That's interesting because of all the places that you've been. Um, militarily speaking, you know, you've been in a lot of places that could potentially have all kinds of activities, airfields and such. Yep. Oh, we've had activities. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Other than that, yeah. All right. All right. Who's next? Preston, go ahead. Yeah, sure. I mean, Dolly's experience is interesting to me because when a ghost interacts with you directly, that means you know this is an actual spirit. This is not a residual haunting. Right. And I agree with what you both said in terms of, you know, energy going around the world, especially when it's a global event involving a lot of people or something that affects a large number of people. Mm -hmm. We saw this certainly with 9-11. It just grabbed everybody. Mm -hmm. I think what a lot of people don't realize is while you may not think you're telepathic, you are. 
-hmm. we are all absolutely intrinsically connected. And if you don't think you know when these things are going on, you do. We yeah. absolutely do. And science has actually touched on this with what they call mirror neurons. And they've right. realized how you know mob-like behavior can spread through a society and people are reacting in ways. And they, they actually conducted experiments with monkeys on this, um, giving them traumatic incidents, and the other monkeys knew about it. Uh, and this was, they, they're calling Crazy. it neurons. Yeah. It's actually telepathy. This is right. because we are a, all absolutely empathetic to each other. Yeah. Right. And you can see this when, you know, a famous celebrity dies and everybody is grieving and it just sweeps across. So you're country. saying essentially this gets into the whole collective consciousness. 100%. Yeah. 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 Everything on example. the planet becomes involved. Everything. Yeah. I'm going to give you a corollary. This was taught to me by another psychic. She said, have you had an MRI? And I said, sure I have. She says, you know what's involved, right? And I'm a nurse. I know. Every They magnetize you. With this thing electromagnetic radiation is hitting you and it's causing every cell in your body to turn its pole mm. and flip the same way that's why people get sick in them sometimes mm -hmm. and you're then they put a, a receiver on it like a radio receiver and it sends every cell in your body every cell in your body sends the message of what you are your picture to the machine and they take beautiful pictures of you this way perfect right. pictures right. um this is on a massive scale of electromagnetic energy. Think about it as we're all electromagnetic. Every last one of us, we have our own fields and everything. Uh, degrees of separation doesn't matter to us because we're all connected this way. So if something traumatic happens to me and you're my best friend, you're going to pick up on it because I'm sending messages out instantly. And friendship causes us to have similar pull or similar protons engaging one another. The more friends you are with somebody, the more chances you have of engaging in that psychic connection. And it just goes on and on and on. And if it's very traumatic and very powerful, everybody gets it. Everybody. Mm -hmm. it changes the very cells in your body. The trees talk to you. They tell you. That's right. Everything. Everything. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Wayne, want to chime in? Yeah, the, uh, whether we like it or not, I mean, some people don't, but uh, we are all connected. There is a collective consciousness. It, it's around the world. And it's like you say, it's it's in the trees and it's in the, the animals, the fish, everything, whether we like it or not. So like when you have a bad day, you don't have to say that I had a bad day. You know, your significant other can walk in and you can feel it in the driveway before you even get through the door. <laughs> and that can go right around the whole world. So traumatic things that happen on a huge scale, we're going to feel it right around the globe probably before you even turn the television on you'll wake up just feeling like wow i just feel off then you hear the news right and yeah. here's here's something um who wants to get this this is an interesting question can this energy be measured in electron volts it's a great Which question energy? what energy it, the energy we're talking about that we're all the like collective the collective consciousness well when a ripple effect you know, let's say, like Preston mentioned, uh, mentioned 9-11. Look when the atomic bomb went off. Don't tell me they didn't feel that ripple effect through dimensions. So yeah. it brought ET to us in the first place. Okay, I'm going to bring something up. I'm not supposed to, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they know about this already. They've done all the experiments. They know how to psychically connect to you through your telephone. They can psychically connect you through the wires and everything else that's around us. We're in a we're in a, 
a neural net and they can connect with you. One of the things they did, and, and here's the point, we all think in alpha, beta, theta, gamma, delta, okay? And uh, these are transmittable. You can, your EKG can transmit uh, information about your brain and what you're thinking. They have a way to receive now those transmissions and hear what you're thinking. And it is, we're all transmitting in alpha, beta, theta, gamma, delta, even ETs. And that's what we're hearing. That's the actual process by the transmission and then we become receivers also. And it's strong during events, really, really strong. And, and they've taken a couple of receivers and put them on mountaintops and trying to gather information about how those waves are affecting everybody. And they found out, oh my God, yes, they are. And they can hear and see it. They can see fluctuations in it, just like your brain is operating. They see a massive thinking brain on the entire planet. And a lot of people call that Gaia. It's not really Gaia, it's us. We're right. transmitting all of it, but it's brainwaves. That's why ET thinks of God as the all mind because we're in it with it. Right. So. right. Well, we're starting to see this in technology already with, you know, the military pilots are using helmets that can control controls and people who are paralyzed. There's medical technology that they can operate their arms with just their thoughts. And going back to the whole ghosts and spirits, yes. remember when someone is on the other side, they can read your mind. Yes. They, they have all their walls removed. They can transmit much more easily than perhaps us who are stuck and buried in our third dimension and our thoughts that are overcoding everything we do, our belief system. Mm -hmm. So when there's a mass die off all at once, it sends out an actual wave energy which i would suspect could be detected electronically with instruments mm -hmm. at some point this is one of my predictions we're going to get a sort of a, a phone that will talk to the other side and we're getting there with you know these little voice you know the noise boxes well they, they have those yeah with with yeah. The, the 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 ghost boxes right exactly. um as as you know nikola tesla first designed it thomas edison expanded on it so cool. and but it was never meant to communicate to the dead it was meant to communicate um with extraterrestrials nikola tesla had extraterrestrial what he believed was communication with et and i know frank sumption who i had met and and interacted with quite a bit uh towards the end of his life developed a more modern day ghost box and uh, you know i'm in i'm in possession of one and um one of his originals and I had some that I've had built for me over and above that. And he said to me, because the whole ghost community went just like off its rocker when these things came out. And he said, they all think I built it to talk to ghosts. He goes, sure, you can talk to ghosts. He goes, but I built it to talk to aliens. And he <laughs> sent me some of his recordings. And I was like, holy crap, you know? Wow. It's, just it's think genius. what the military has, if, you know, because their technology is far in advance of our own. So they probably yeah. have much more advanced ghost boxes or ET boxes, perhaps. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'd love to get a hold of some of theirs. Believe me. Did, did, did you ever find, Michelle, that recording we talked about privately? You know, uh, no, that has to be sent to me because I was not allowed to record that session. Ooh. That was a production company, but I have requested it. And I think once they get through the editing process, I'll be able to get hold of it. But right. I heard it clear as day, clear as day. 
And uh, I was just like, holy crap, there it is. (laughs) (laughs) Bam. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) So, yes, I I, I did request it. And and, uh, when the time comes, I, I know I'll get a copy of it. So that's when you, what happens when you work with a, you know, a real yeah. uh, a producer with integrity, mm-hmm. shall we say. So let's move over to, um, while we're on this right here, how can we block ET and government from reading our minds? Faraday, your brain. <laughs> I'm not Crap. kidding. Or, or try Tim to. Boyle. You can turn off all, every night you go to bed, you should turn off your Wi-Fi, turn off your telephones, turn off all digital, anything. You can't stop your refrigerator from talking to them. You can't, a lot of our appliances now are wired into the system. You have to be careful with that. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, turn it all off and then uh, put a little Faraday hat on, you know, a little, you know, just like a hoodie, okay? Mm -hmm. And sleep peacefully uh, to get away from it. It'll give you a chance to recoup and have your own things going on and not be bombarded with all the stuff that's being shot at everybody, which it is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's absolutely have to fair day, fair day, your mind or your whole body. So you don't receive anything. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's scary. Who would have thought technology would get to that point? Cause I do remember hearing a news report. <laughs> this must've been a decade ago about two people walking down a street in New York city. And there was a billboard that spoke telepathically to them. Actually, they heard it in their heads. This was an advertisement. I thought, this is going to be huge. This right. is going to be front page news. And I watched and watched and watched. And of course, it was immediately buried. Never heard anything about it again. Today we did. Yeah, we ended up again on t- yeah. TV when, about the Havana syndrome. Remember right. that when the people in Cuba, the intelligence agents were getting ill from some sort of psychotronic technology? Mm-hmm. And they were talking about how they had technology that could make you hear voices. So yeah. I don't know how we, we're, it's dangerous. Well, let's, look, let's just look at the new, um, the, the new web effect that they do for internet now, where you plug something into every room and it creates this spider web effect. Yep. And the frequency has been known to drive animals crazy. I yep. mean, I've worked with someone um, they had like they had like a turtle. The thing would not come out from under the water. They had they had a cat that tried to basically claw its way into the kitchen cupboard and bury itself inside, and it didn't last. You know, it's not good frequency, nope. and it hurts all of us. That's why right? I don't want a smart house or Alexa listening no. to me all the time. I no. don't. <laughs> I'm sure that goes on and up. So Wayne, you want to chime in on everything before we get to another question? It's, it's bits and pieces like the technology is getting to the point like i remember when they came out with digital dashboards on cars and how like how good is that really do we really need it you know does it work it's cool but do we really need it like my mechanic right now he's got headphones that sit on his temples <laughs> they just they just sticky tape on his temples wow. <laughs> there's no sound but he goes i can hear it in my head he goes you should try them i'm like no i'm good good yeah. yeah. Well, that's how the cochlear implants work, right? Yes. Yeah, it's 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 working. It actually goes into the nerves that feed your brain sound, and they know exactly where they are, and they can tap into them with the. That's scary. Yeah, it's great because he's working in a shop that's loud. He goes, "It's it's great because I have earplugs in, but I can hear the phone ring, and I can have a conversation while I'm using an air gun." I'm, I guess that's great, but like not for me. 
Yeah, when I bought a stove, I had to hunt, hunt, hunt for one that didn't have a computer in it. You know, that didn't have a book that you had to learn how to use your stove. Our next stove will be a wood stove. <laughs> Thank you. That's, yep. Mm -hmm. I have a car that doesn't have a computer in it, and I want right. to keep it that way. Now it's yeah, no computer on my what car. What is your car? 2003. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Yeah, <laughs> it's not a, not a bad thing. Um, okay, next question. I recently heard you talk about psychic abilities in the sense of smell. In the past few weeks, I've intermittently smelled an odor like sawdust, milled grain. Have you heard of this before, Miss Dolly? Yes, absolutely. Um, here's here's a heads up, everybody. You're psychic, and your consciousness can hear, see, feel, touch, smell, and taste. All six senses are in your toolbox as consciousness. When we're not in our body, we're more awake and alive than we are while we're in our body. Our body kind of shields us from what's really going on from our consciousness until you fully become awake. That's the case. When you're psychic and you're waking up, one of the first things you notice is, I smell my grandmother. And you know when she's there and you get confirmation because she shows up and she lets you know she's there. Or I smell my dog or... I smell fire and then one breaks out. You're, right. you know, it's, it's smells part of your bag of tricks. So that could, be, could be premonition. It could yeah. be, there's, there's many different reasons, you know, spirits, especially when you're dealing with spirits of loved ones will usually try to validate themselves and their presence with a smell or an odor that is familiar to right. you. I, I've heard you know, on this show, people have heard me talk about, I use my grandfather as an example, because he's, he was pretty unique with the fact that he loved burnt toast and really heavy black coffee. Yeah. And it's sometimes in the weird hours of the morning, I'd be smelling burnt toast and black coffee, but that was his way of saying, yeah, it really is me. Yeah. Um, you know, when you have pleasant smells, you can, you, you can usually attribute it to a more pleasant uh, spirit as well. Whereas when you're getting really heavily or have heavy nasty stuff you know but mind you now we link that to some extraterrestrials as well when you're getting that sulfuric smell which is like an ozone you know right. i've had enough ozone freaking last a while <laughs> and i've been smelling ozone forever but anyway you, you know you, you have to just just look at what else is going on in the space and was it just a quick flash of a smell of somebody stopping by and saying hello? I mean, there are people on battlefields who can still smell gunfire and gunpowder. Yeah, unfortunately. What's amazing about that is our nose is extremely sensitive and can detect at a molecular level. And we know that spirits do have the ability to affect the physical environment because they're turning on lights and mm. making footsteps and opening and closing doors, but they can do apports or mm. physically make things appear. So mm. I'm wondering about this because I have questions, definitely. Are they <laughs> manifesting molecules of roses or sawdust? Yeah. Or is this something that's actually kind of more of a psychic thing and I'm leaning towards them actually manifesting physically mm -hmm. the scent of rose or whatever it is. I think they I think, are. I agree. I think they are. I, I really do. It, yeah. It's uh, you, you can paint, right? You can dip your brush in and paint, correct? Mm -hmm. Well, your mind is not, uh, it's free to do whatever it wants and it can make things happen. Things are already there for them to draw on and they can boop, 
bring it up to you and you've got a memory of what that is and you instantly connect to it. Oh, I know what that is, you know, and you make the association. Well, when you're on the other side, you can just think and you actually create it. That's food or anything. Mm-hmm. You can create it. Right. So it tells you that then it's a manifestation because we used to get this, your father's pipe smell and you're in, but especially when it was, when you were doing something and he would come around, if you want to chime in on that. Yeah, that was my dad. It was, uh, he smoked a pipe with this tobacco called Amphora Red. When I was a kid, the tobacco even looked like a cherry colored. So I thought that was the, that's what red smelled like. The color red had that aroma. And that's what I grew up with. And I think for me, looking at spirit, they're going to work with what they have to, to get your attention and, and do it gently. If they, they, like I was driving one night, this was the big one for me. I was, I was had a, had a really busy night. I was tired, exhausted. The weather was terrible. It was one of the worst nights ever driving home. And I was, I felt myself like going right. Dozing off, had the window open, had the radio on and just trying to stay awake and stay focused. And with all this wind blowing through the car, all of a sudden the whole car is filled with this, uh, this Amphora red tobacco smoke. And I'm telling you what, boom, I was awake. Like <laughs> I'm awake now. Okay. I'm here. Yeah, yeah. So he popped in the seat beside me. I looked over my dad yeah. was sitting there. I'd probably gone off the road, yeah. but you know, I, that stayed with me until I got gas. It's it stayed outside while I was pumping gas in the storm. And it stayed with me in the car right until I turned into the driveway and it was gone. Like it was never there. Yeah. Daddy was with you. I could almost hear him say smarten yeah. up. It's not a joke. You know, like you got to get home. I have a weird affliction and I know billions of people have the same one. I have what you call synesthesia. I smell colors or I hear <laughs> words uh, in music. Okay. Language and music. And I associate it that way. And um, when I OBE, I notice that um, that synesthesia goes off the charts for me. Everything is uh, unbelievably bright colors and I feel it and I communicate the way I, those senses are working. And uh, I've thought about this for many, many years. This has got to be how we are naturally in, in, it's not, it's not that it's weird. It's that that's the form of communication. It's a light communication. And we're able to pick up all of that, all of it. It's part of, part of who we are and how we communicate. Yeah, that's Naturally. very common with people who are psychic and people who are psychic also can smell like, you know, a dog and can visualize absolutely perfectly by just closing. Well, Tesla said he could do that. He could close his eyes and create an absolute perfect blueprint. And walk around it three-dimensionally. Right. Yeah. And yeah, this is absolutely something that develops with your psychic ability. Right. I I completely, I completely see that as well. I mean, I've I've had so many different experiences. And realistically, especially growing up and recognizing some of those things, I never knew what they were. Yeah. I never I never looked at it. How many people go through that and they really have no idea that they're experiencing an ability? Right. Because you didn't have anybody to teach you. And you uh, walked, well, no, I mean, my mom was highly intuitive and so my grandfather, but it wasn't something that I think was analyzed to that point. It was just something mm-hmm. that seemed natural. But True. to try to put a title on it or try yeah. to lump it together in a category. Yeah. 
it's just, you know, it's not like you had TV or the internet. It's not like they even knew where to find it in a book, you know, like it just wasn't commonplace. Um, a question pertaining to all of this, guys. Hey, Steve, could nature have evolved to introduce high strangers to raise our frequency to level up at a time to save ourselves? If we don't, maybe there's a reset. I like that, Steve. What do you guys think? A reset. Where's that dang reset button? <laughs> I want to clear something up. I want y'all to hear what I say real quick yeah. about frequency. Okay, Dolly, go first. Okay. Everybody has a frequency. I have a frequency. You have a frequency. We all have a frequency. It's like a thumbprint. It's it's our consciousness's brain thinking, okay? Mm -hmm. it, you cannot be anybody but yourself, Okay. Frequency can, uh, if you're looking at what true frequency is, like you got a radio, AM or FM, mm -hmm. and you're dialing it up and you're looking for a specific frequency, but you can't hear it. Well, you have to turn the sound up to hear it. And that's what people need to start understanding about frequency. It's not that you can raise your frequency, you're turning the volume up on it. You don't change your frequency. The whole universe has frequencies everywhere. We can identify each other by them, but we don't each hear each other. So you, your psychic ability needs to turn the sound up mm -hmm. to do it. Most Does that people, include vibration as well? That's right. That's uh, vibration is pure frequency yes frequency produces a vibration okay uh this is the other one crystals there is no mind in that crystal but if you hold it you're you're putting projecting into it yeah and it absorbs it and it yeah. starts to vibrate with the sound of who you are the planet has a frequency and it vibrates okay and it makes sounds and it's absorbing not only the energy that it's producing on its own and what's coming from space, but we influence it as well. We put our frequency into the planet as well on a huge level. And so uh, we're, we're binging and pinging and vibrating everywhere. Vibration is a natural part of existence. Everything in the universe vibrates. Light vibrates. Mm -hmm. okay? well, but to okay. turn it up and to use it, you have to develop the ability to do that. That's the point. Okay. I, I went to, I had somebody who asked to do a Reiki session. I mean, it's the first time I ever did it. Didn't yeah. know a lot about it, really yeah. half know about it, you know, yeah. and she tried to, I guess she's trying because I'm going to just try to line up your chakras. I'm pretty sure I'm lined up, but okay. Have at her. <laughs> you know, my whole body started vibrating and I could hear the frequency in my head it got so loud and the whole, my whole body started doing this as she was trying to draw energy. And then all of a sudden I snapped up because I, I was resisting right. what she was doing to me. Right. And she stopped. She's this elderly lady. I felt terrible. She, she trained in India and she said, I don't even know what to say. I don't know what to do. I have never seen anything like this before. And I'm like, I'm relaxed, really. <laughs> to me, I was completely relaxed. Yeah. But I guess that the thought that somebody was just trying to readjust my frequency, my yeah. my personal she being. overwhelming you with her frequency, and it got so loud for you. you so I snapped it back at I could hear it like a... Yeah. You know what that I sound like a turbine. That's not with the vibratory state right before you go out of body. Yeah, <laughs> that's switching from the 3D, three-dimensional frequency to the 
next one up. Then it must have been very relaxed. <laughs> this <laughs> is just trying to pop me out of my body. I know. Yeah. Well, I, I want to go back to Steve's question regarding high strangeness. Yeah. Because I, I th I've been thinking about this. You know, high strangeness is, of course, something that I think is, how would I put this, relative. It's sort of our own interpretation. Because if we were living with high strangeness day in, day out, it wouldn't be strange, would mm -hmm. it? would be right. something that we live with. Right. And for example, paranormal isn't really paranormal or supernatural. It's not breaking the laws of the universe. Mm -hmm. It's just indication that we don't fully understand what's going on. And you can see that throughout nature, there's areas where our knowledge is incomplete. But then we have these UFOs coming down and doing super high strangeness stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why? Why is it so bizarre? Why is it so weird? And I think, and you can see the, the crop circles. I think they're doing this in a way to sort of jar your consciousness, to wake you up, to make you think out of the box, to consider new avenues of thought, to sort of just make you think. Well, that's my theory. And I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know for sure. The crop circles is a good example. That's high strangeness. And we, you know, what do you think of it? It makes you can see this with shamans, shamans, and yeah. you know, the trickster sort of aspect to it, where they do things which are just really bizarre, and it makes you like reconsider everything. Yeah, right. You, right. you understand that we are employing wisdom here. Okay, everything you learn at whatever level of perception you've got, you're employing. You're owning what you know. Okay, and that's where people get confused about changing my frequency. You're not. What you're doing is your frequency is able now to operate at this level and you're doing it knowledge is leveling not mm. frequency like okay see i'm a nurse i'm in school to be a nurse right years and years and years ago and i'm learning how to stick needles in people and draw blood and give shots and you know put catheters in and do all kinds of stuff do stitching thank you know medical aid and or taking care of you and knowing what everything I need to know is. When you first start, you don't know anything. And there's a lot of schooling involved and you have to work hard and you have to use your mind and you have to work hard to learn that, know it. And once you know it, once you own what you know, then you employ it. And a funny thing happens on the way to that. Your confidence is a byproduct of understanding how it works how to use it and then employing it. You become very confident in what you do. And that's the next level of wisdom from that perspective. And you keep adding to it as we go along. That's mm -hmm. why we're here. We're here to learn, enjoy, employ, and move up intellectually to the next piece of wisdom that we mm -hmm. have to do. Your frequency learns how to do it well. Your, mm -hmm. your healer was really good at what she did and she was going for it, okay? You, you she about got, got her, her ass whooped. <laughs> yeah. She ended yeah. up on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Goal. yeah. It, I it's know. But that's what it is. That's what we're supposed to be doing. I don't Bart, Bart. My frequency. I raise my level of understanding and knowledge and wisdom. Mm -hmm. That's what you should be aiming for. Bart is a really good friend of mine and he does know me very well because we've worked yeah. together. And he says, your deep earth energy is quite the opposite of a Reiki vibe. And I, I agree with that to a degree as well. But um, yeah. I once uh, had wait. a healer. She, yeah. she put her hands on my feet. She asked permission first. You know, can I do this? Give you a healing. I'm like, sure. I knew her well. She's a good friend, a contactee and a medium and all this stuff. 
but she put her hands on my feet after I, you know, I took off my shoes and pulsed energy through them. And it felt like an electric shock. I mean, you could feel it running up your body like water. It was right. the weirdest feeling. I've right. never felt that from anybody. It's well, I, I, I love energy work. And I'm, I do energy work. I work, uh, you know, pl we, we, planetary stuff with people, with animals, with trees, with nature, you know, whales, you, you name it. It's just, it's just, you know, ley lines, uh, vortexes. It's, it's, it's such an, a fantastic thing once you know how to project it and move it. It's just, I don't even know. I, I don't even know how to describe what kind of an incredible feeling it is to be able to do that sort of thing because you're literally becoming one with everything around you, the planet itself, you know, but you have to be so tuned into it. Right. Have so, you done telekinesis? I'm curious. Michelle, <laughs> I'm asking you. <laughs> you I want to know. <laughs> um, not to my knowledge, but I have with people. I've been able to move people like just, I've done that in younger days. It's just like, if I'm really mad, especially, I've been able to just give up, barely touch somebody and bam. Wow. Not something I could just produce. I think I have to be have a certain level of my energy has to be elevated to a certain point. And I can project stuff that, that like I've done stuff and I'm like, oh crap, did I do that? I have to watch what I think. Yeah. Yep. And, and because I, I, you know, I when you're mad, you do things. Wayne's laughing because you see me do it. <laughs> you you do things and you don't realize you do it, and then then you realize, you know, a week or two down the road, you're like, you know, something happens, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm very sorry. Yeah, really, I know. <laughs> I, I did not realize <laughs> that I did that, but I remember being in high school, and I had, you know. A guy who just came to came to 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 grab me, and I just went like this. Just but I barely touched him, and he he just he went back. And, and I mean, we're talking probably about four feet. Yeah, I saw Chi Master do that to his students. He had them all line up in a row, and he touched one of them, and they all went dum, 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 just fell down. A whole row of twenty people. Jesus, Doink. he he yeah, he just was a little well. heck. Yeah. yeah, and he and he was in a good mood. So, <laughs> you know, I want to talk anyway. about an army incident. My dad was in Korea, and they got boxed into a canyon, and they had civilians with them, and they were trying to get out, and the Chinese were on them, thousands and thousands of them coming after them into the canyon, and the Rangers decided to go up and pull these people up, and my dad had a five and a half foot where he'd lift them up to the next guy up who was leaning down to grab them. And they said, it was written in the report, they said that my father was throwing people 10 feet straight up and they didn't know how he did it. And they, he was barely touching them. And my dad went, shh, you know, <laughs> everybody mm. talk about it anymore. And when I was a kid, um, I used to like to climb things all the time. I was a tree walker, okay? <laughs> and uh, I was outside one day and he called me and I lost my grip. And he literally literally not only caught me, but he stopped me in midair somehow. And then I dropped into his hands. He had mm -hmm. that kind of energy and it freaked me completely out. I was like, oh my it's God. It's a pretty freaky deaky thing. That's yeah. for sure. It would be normal. Uh, we should all be able to do this. And I'm sure we can, which brings me to this. So Wayne, why don't you take, why don't you start off with this? Unless you, there's something you want to add to the high strange. Just the, yeah, just a 
quick one on the high strangeness. Okay. I think we all have to remember one thing about high strangeness is it's relative to the time frame we're in. If we went back 800 years and I, I walked into a room and tapped a button on the wall and the lights came on, I would be a magician. I'd be a wizard. <laughs> Witch, yeah. yeah. Something like that. But now it's normal. So when we go to like what we're seeing now in today's day and age of, you know, UFOs and, and alien beings and portals that are becoming more prevalent, we call it all oh, it's high strangeness. It's only high strangeness because we're not used to it yet. Yeah. We don't fully grasp it yet. That's kind of where it was. And the last thing I wanted to point out, just back to the other question about psychic and, and being gifted, as much as I hate to believe it, we're all gifted, even me. Right. Uh, exactly. But, um, I think there's levels of, of the gift as you learn it, right? So yes. Michelle is extremely gifted and I'm like, meh. So way I look at it is it's like stop it because I, I always use an analogy. Of, that's all okay. I'm going to say. I'm so angry. Wayne, bam. If I'm cooking, press if I'm making a stew, and you walk into the house, you'll go, "Oh my God, Wayne's cooking something amazing. I wonder what it is." But if a dog was to walk in and a dog could communicate to us. The dog wouldn't smell stew. The dog would say, oh, my God, there's like meat and potatoes and corn and, and there's celery and there's broth. Oh, my God, it's amazing. And I think that's the difference in the psychic level is a really good medium could look at what I'm going and go, I get a, I get a really foreboding feeling in this house. A good medium would come in and go, wow, there's four dead people here that have been trapped because there was a fire and I'm going to move them on. And they wouldn't know their name and everything, whereas I would just know something bad happened. Mm. That's what I want to leave that. Yeah, good analogy. <laughs> I like that. I like That's that. Good, good analogy. It's absolutely true, too. Okay. Ed, Ed, hello, hello. Always nice to see you here. Wouldn't you agree that we are born with certain amount of information that we all need to just recall? Recall yes. information. That's yeah. the point. You you should be able to recall it from birth. Um, we're sort of um been been processed for so many years not to do this that um it's harder for people and you got parents who are afraid for you to be different or gifted or whatever and they tell you Shh, don't talk about it blah, blah 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 and then you turn it all off and yes we we should be operating on a level where we remember our past lives we know where we are we know why we're here i mean this is all part of who we really are and we're not operating in that area yet and we should be that's what et wants you to understand Yes. Yeah, right. I'm going to agree yeah. with that. There, there was the blank slate theory in philosophy that we are all blank slates. No, not true. No. I just read an account about a girl who was like three years old and taught herself to read. Her parents said they did not do it. And she was pronouncing words correctly. Mm -hmm. There's case after case after case of people who receive a head injury and suddenly they're pianists or they can do mathematics, or they're speaking actually a different language. Right. This is- Well, you have DNA memory as well that they're working on as well. But yeah. the blank slate thing, I think it's it's not right. I think this is a classroom. Like it or not, it's a classroom. Our soul energy, whatever you want to call it, comes back into the meat packet to learn the next class. Mm -hmm. But it's like going from grade three to grade four you get to grade four, but you don't remember a damn thing about grade three. You go to the teacher and you say, hey, what happened in grade three? They go, well, we know, but we can't tell you. Yeah. So that that's the frustrating part about being in the meat packet. Then you get some just 
don't care. They just want to get through grade three and get to grade four and try to get through that too. <laughs> they get passed along. That's right. I <laughs> really would like to graduate at some point. <laughs> that would be nice. Uh, question regarding the double slit, is it possible that consciousness allows us to convert things from wave form to particle form? Example, the moon is a wave form behind us in a particle form when we observe. Uh, those are two um, theoretical ideas. Those are not absolute. They are not proven. Uh, you have to understand that when a scientist or a physicist or a theoretical physicist or a particle physicist starts talking, they're talking to you in theory. They have no proof. And a lot of times we take it for proof and it is not. Uh, there, it is not a good way to explain anything, those two theories at all. Um, if you want to know a good theory, I would suggest that you um, study light first and understand what particles are and that we are all light. Every particle in your body is light here. We're third degree heavy here, third, you know, third um, dimensional heavy, gravity heavy, and all our particles are so dense they can't emit light. Light is the communication. That's why we're so psychic because we're communicating with light that we are made out of light. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter which direction you're perceiving it. You are, you get the 360, 380 all the way around. And those theories are invalid. Just saying. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. Here's a comment. <laughs> okay. Uh, Here's a comment that I love and I'm going to put it up. <clears throat> um, one of Whitley Schreiber's visitors said to him, there is no paranormal. There is only the natural world. All you have to do is access. You have mm -hmm. access to all of it but all right. you have to do is access that right I, I i agree with that i mean there's so many variables as to what the paranormal actually is i mean you look at ghosts who's to say it's not a dimensional bleed through there you go joe that one's for you <laughs> so you know how do we know it's not actually a dimensional bleed through how do we know everything that we're seeing like i said there's there's you know, the replays, the residuals, that's normal. You can have an argument with your significant other, walk out of the room, come back an hour later, wonder why you feel so foul in that room because there's that imprint that you've just left there yeah. because of a projection of energy. You know, we project more, more energy than anything else. So right. if you're looking at that, then what is it exactly? When I, when I think about battlefields and when I'm, I'm just going to go back to the topic for a moment, but when I think about war, when I think about battlefields, I think back to Normandy, for example, you have an entire coastline that, that, you know, had tremendous loss of life. And there's, there's, there's loss of life everywhere. You think of one death, you know, there's reports of people who have passed away and an actual sounds like a sonic boom could be heard throughout an entire area the moment this individual passed away. I mean, you can read about it. This, this, this stuff is everywhere. Can you imagine multitudes of people at the same time, the same place, that's got to leave something? You know, I, I, think, I think that there's more to it than just lead throughs and things like that. Yeah. I, I'm a big believer in multiverses, you know, things like that as well. I, 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 
I think there's a lot more to it than what we think. I think we just scratched the surface. I think with media and I think with internet, there's a lot of information that doesn't get delved into the way it should. We're just, you know, we, we we're given basics. Yeah. You know, I've spent time throughout so many different parts of the world and I've been on battlefields from all around the world. I have experienced many amazing things and it all feels the same. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. If you go someplace where you've had a tremendous loss of life, you're going to feel the same way no matter where you are. And it's energizing as much as it is sad. I spent time, you know, at, at like, for example, um, where, where was that, that, that 9-11 where the plane went down, Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania. Right, Pennsylvania. I spent some time there. Yeah. And it was just like, I'm sorry, but there's just... You feel it. You there's no way you can't feel well, that's it. That's the whole basis of psychometry. You know, when when you take an object and hold it and get impressions from it, right. that's the whole basis of it. And going back to paranormal, there was a quote from Seth, channeled by Jane Roberts, which always stuck in my brain, which was "Miracles is nature unimpeded." Mm -hmm. And I liked that. I thought, you know what? That's probably true. Right. <laughs> a miracle is not again breaking the laws of science right it's something that is natural exactly right. you know one right. i heard that was very similar to that is like people say there's no miracles and the fellow said there's miracles every day but we just look at them as ordinary things now right sure. i agree i agree right. capable of anything anything all of us every single person on this planet and we're capable of delivering a miracle as well and Beings who are around us are capable of delivering miracles to us or us to them either way. It's uh, it's how you perceive what you see as it's happening, how you respond to it, and the necessity of how strongly you want to respond to it. That's mm -hmm. what causes miracles to happen. You're upping the gain on the energy, and it's amazing when it happens. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, going back to that plane crash in Pennsylvania real yeah. quick. That one affected me a lot for some reason because you know Todd Beamer and all the people tried to prevent it and actually kind of did. Right. And I, I was obsessed with it. And finally I had this out-of-body experience where I was on board that flight, flight 93, I think it was. Yes. Which went into the ground. And I was upside I, down. Yeah. And I was watching it spin and everyone was holding their seats. And then boom, it hit the ground and you didn't feel it at all. You were instantly going towards the light. And it was actually really nice. Right. Like, okay, this wasn't nearly as horrific as I thought it was. No, I, I think it's the energy that gets picked up a lot on is that that projection of energy of what they were feeling at the time. I mean, the, one of the, the rangers on that site said, you know, there were witnesses and he just pointed on the horizon where there, there were some businesses and that they saw that thing come down on its it was on its roof. It was upside down because oh. and it was so close you could see the people in it. it. My heart broke, but I tapped into that energy. That's what I tapped into for that that split moment. As soon as he said it, it it drew me in, and I realized I'm like, oh, you know. And then all of a sudden it's like, nothing. yeah, they were ready. They knew what was happening. Yeah, and they're extremely ready to walk off. And I want to make a point about that. Um, I've noticed this. I've actually seen it happen as a nurse. Um, 
we don't always stay in our body at the moment of death. No. We're already long gone before that second, especially in uh, situations where we're going to impact something or it's mm-hmm. going to be horrible. You know, you, people think, oh, my God, they felt all of it. No, not really. People just go, OK, this is it. And they're out. It's their 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 consciousness doesn't want the body or the mind to suffer. There's empathy between your consciousness and your physical body at that moment. Mm-hmm. And it will deliver you from it. It'll get you out of it and knock mm-hmm. you out. And we do it all the time. And I've seen it happen in real life. I've seen people come in who are, they're trying to keep them alive. And you look at them and you go, they're gone already. They left. You might right. try to keep this body alive, but they're out of here. And it's mm-hmm. because it was so traumatic. They knew to go. And it's Thank amazing. You. It's like people in comas most of the time or, pe- you know, people, they don't just sit there in the parked car. It's like you go to sleep. You don't sleep in your car in the garage at night. You know, you, you step out of it, and, <laughs> yeah. right? You yeah. step out and, and you and you go and you 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 live. We're not bound by all of this. Right. Michelle, um, you've had a couple of cases where you've, you've talked to the spirits after a horrific crash and they tell you that. They're like, I didn't even know it was death. No. Like yeah, I was driving true. in the car and it was out of control. And the next thing you know, I was just standing on the side of the road, right. you know, yeah. and my grandmother came over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like that movie that, Ghost. Which Grandma, what are you doing here? Kind of movie, right? So yeah. it, it no. does happen like that. They didn't even know the point right. of impact. Right. No, I know. no, it's true. Um, okay. Preston, you had, you had a story, a ghost story you wanted to tell to talk about why don't you tell us your story before we go on to the next leg of the show all right this is actually um to a brother and sister that i interviewed Mm -hmm. uh, still a good friend Mm -hmm. and they had an experience when they were young kids they're twins by the way fraternal twins and in 1965 they were living at a military base actually outside of this little village called pin mu in taiwan so this is on an actual military base. And this base was built way back in World War II, I believe. At any rate, uh, the guy I interviewed, well, I've interviewed both of them. Um, I'll use pseudonyms for them. So I called them Dave right. and Julie. That's not their real names. Uh, but Julie woke up in the middle of the night and saw this shape coming, like a, a patch of fog is how she described it. She couldn't see any real face or anything to it, but it was clearly a ghost because it's coming right through the room (laughs) and she starts screaming. And of course, David, the brother, wakes up and he starts screaming. And this thing is just walking right by them and they jump up. They said it was very, very much a solid kind of foggy figure Mm -hmm. and going by her bed and then up to his bed. And so... They're both absolutely freaking out and they jump up and they go tell their mom and she comes into the room and at that point it's going into the closet and she flicks on the light and you can't see the ghost anymore. It disappears. Uh, And what I found interesting about this case was because I do have a number of cases where people would turn on the lights. You couldn't see the ghost. You turn it off and you could see it. But I also found an interesting statistic in terms of ghosts. More than half the cases I, of people I interviewed was either women or children who were seeing the ghosts. Children mm-hmm. are much more receptive to it. Yes. And women, as yes. opposed to men for some reason. 
right. which well, is not truly right. UFOs. It's <laughs> it's e evenly divided between men and women. But ghosts, there's something about that. Yeah, it's a pretty simple story, but it was yeah. on a military base. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Personally, and you're right. I did my own sort of layman's research on that as well because I wondered why it was. And honestly, I find that, first of all, children haven't been corrupted by life and society yet. That's the first thing. But women retain their emotions from the time they're little to the time they go into the ground. Whereas boys, men, like if you show your emotions in the schoolyard, you get beat. Right. So by the time you're eight years old, you have no emotion left in you. You don't show that card. You don't show that side. Nothing. Right. So if you lose your emotions and you lose that side of you, it makes you less likely to be really connected and can pick up on things like ghosts and stuff like that. Right. Guys are supposed to be be the, the tough guys, right? Yeah. Tough, not supposed we're, to we're be. The, the builders, not supposed to have a soft side. That's what you're saying. Don't have a soft side. You get beat. <laughs> right. Um, okay. So we're going to get into, we're going to get into UFOs and time slips. That's okay. Everybody will start being like, yeah, you know, <laughs> here we go. Okay. So we'll, we'll go cut to the chase. I want to share, um, a couple of stories and one after I, I first talked about this on one of the other shows that Joe and I do called the gray zone. Um, we saw this on a very popular TV show, which was really cool to see it actually in action. Um, it was a man named Victor Goddard. And this happened, I believe it was 1935. So the story goes, um, they don't know. There's speculation as to whether it happened at all. But there's, there's this, he swears that it did happen. So it remains a bit of a mystery. So Victor was a, a Royal Air Force wing commander on a flight from Edinburgh, Scotland, to his home base in Andover, England, and decided on a particular day to take an alternate route from Drem, Scotland, when he encountered a storm and the plane was engulfed in high winds and the plane began to fall. He passed over a dilapidated blah, 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 airfield and was it was constructed during World War I, by the way, and had been converted to a farm which was overgrown with foliage. But on this day, something was very different. The airfield looked different. The scenery itself appeared different. Their hangars were brand new. There were four planes on the ground painted yellow in color. This was never a Royal Air Force color in 1935. He did not spot three planes, or he did rather, sorry, spot three planes which were familiar, and one was not. The fourth was a monoplane which the Royal Air Force didn't have in 1935. Even the mechanics on site did not dress like the current Royal Air Force mechanics. The wow. storm engulfed the plane once again, and he was able to get on his way. Why was this dubbed a time slip? He was actually witnessed at Drem Air Force Base, which technically never existed in 1935. However, by 1939, Four years later, the Royal Air Force was equipped with everything that Victor spotted when he flew over. The Royal Air Force started to paint their planes yellow, and the new monoplane was introduced to the Air Force and the Air Base at that time. So did he fly into the future when he actually went over all of this? 
You want to know? <laughs> of course. Holly <laughs> was there. No, no, I know. This is this is what I was taught. I've done it. I've know. Uh, you realize that we do have twelve dimensions here in this universe, and they're all on top of one another. And when you go outside the third dimension, which is so gravity heavy, and you go into the fourth, you lose. Uh, you start to lose the timeline. By the fifth dimension, is gone. ET reports seeing simultaneously while they're interdimensional, past, present, and future, all at the same time. And if you go through a storm like that and it throws you out of the dimension you're in into another one, the time slip, as you describe it, is a groove in a record and you're seeing from that perspective in that area where you're at, which was actually happening in that time that you slipped into because you're seeing it. You remember Star Trek and they had the window thing, you know, the big rock, and it had the, the time uh, portal? That's, That's kind of, by the way. <laughs> it, yeah. it runs on its own time. It's no, there's no real line of it. It doesn't, it's just all at once. And so when you slip out of time interdimensionally, you're in that groove and you see it. And then he somehow came back into it. He's lucky he came back because right. you can leave and not come back. So right. yeah, that's what happens. You're, you're actually, he was physically in that spot and he slipped out of the dimension and he saw that particular moment in time, that time, and they saw him. He was physically in it. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I know of a case like that. It's, I didn't personally investigate it, but it's in the books by Tom Brown. Mm -hmm. I love those books. He was taught by a, Apache shaman or tracker mm. and formed the largest wilderness school in the United States. Super psychic. It's a very spiritual series of books, which I totally recommend. But he had this experience where he's walking along through the wilderness and saw a group of Native Americans who were hiking through the winter, but they were transparent. They were from the far path a hundred years earlier. And he's looking at them and and staring at them. And then the medicine man who was walking, I think he was in front or, you know, it doesn't really matter, but he was there. One of them was a medicine man, turns and looks right at him, <laughs> could see him, even right. though he's yeah. 100 years in the future. Right. right. Consciousness never... is interdimensional. It sees everything. And if you're really psychic and you walk out interdimensionally with your mind, which is uh, uh, remote viewing, by the way, most people, when they remote view, they stay in their own timeline, but a lot of remote viewers can go past, present, and future. And that's why people can predict the future sometimes. They're going into it. Their mind is. Not their physical body at that time. He was seeing it with his mind. That's how that worked. So, yep. Marie, you want to chime in? Nothing on that. No. <laughs> no, to talk here. about the experience. Yeah. I'll give you the reverse. Michelle, you're that, capable right? of doing this. Yeah. Well, uh, Wayne's going to tell the story okay. about. Okay. Yeah, because we both experienced it. So, but okay. he, I've told it from my my version of it, but he's never told his version of it. No, this is this is the one where we're using. We were test driving the portal, right? Right. Okay, so we got this piece of equipment, and we were playing with it just to try to tune it in and, and test it, test it out. Yeah, see what was see what was going on. We got all kinds of neat little things that night, and all kinds of voices coming through saying like, you know, you are us and we are one and we are you. And all. it was very, very cool. Very interesting. But we were sitting in the dining room of our old place and we could, for all intent and purposes, we could hear props like big 
aircraft props, you know, like that, yeah. that hum, right? That drone. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you could hear people talking. They weren't talking to us. They were talking to each other. And the way I could describe it was like, you know, that, that, that gangster voice from the twenties. I thought movie, we were listening you know? to a movie. Yeah, for sure. That kind of stuff. It was like, you know what I'm saying? Cagney. Yeah. 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 Cagney kind of voice. Right. Yeah. And they were talking to one another and we were listening and there was like, well, you know, what's our heading and where are we going? And, you know, same as before and stuff like that. <sighs> and, and Michelle says, she goes, who am I talking to? And there was a silence except for the drone of the engines. And they heard this one, the one fellow goes, who was that? And there was like this complete perplex, you know, who was that? You know, and she goes, I'll say it again. Who, who am I talking to you? And the guy says, it's a woman. She sounds like the queen. Down somewhat British. Right. And so, you know, he's like, well, who are you? Who are you? And she's, she says, well, I give where, are, which, which, where, who are you? And he goes, well, I made your, and then I said, was, what's your rank and position is that's what I right. said. Yeah. So he said, my name is major and it crackled. And he says, my position, and he gave the longitude and the latitude was almost there. We couldn't hear it. And he goes, we're lost. We don't know where we are. We've been flying for hours, you know, and we're, we're having this conversation. Now it's real time. It's not just between them. It's between them and us, which was really wild. And at one point in this conversation, one guy goes, I can see them. And the guy says, where? He goes there through the windshield. It's a man and woman. They're sitting at a table. They have electric lights. You know, we're just like, oh. Coming through the window, right? Because yeah. the guy's like, We're lost, you have to help us. And Michelle's like, Don't open the door, just do not go through that, that door, door. Is all I said. Because I have visions of like this B 52 coming through the house, through your house. No way, yeah. But that oh was, and the, the panic <laughs> in their voice, they were was pleading, just unbearable. Bring and it was gone. Please, please. The drone disappeared, everything disappeared. It was gone. We tried to get it back numerous ways right to the point of of the same day before the same day after the, a year later the same time move an hour forward move an hour backwards never got it back nothing we looked no. it up on we know on they the were globe. somewhere over the pacific yeah right without the last number Couldn't we didn't it. know exactly where yeah Gosh, we record all the sessions poignant. and um yeah. we we write it down too sorry that's kind of sad and scary a little it, bit. It was. It, it was really sad. It broke my heart. But it made me wonder, because we know that night when, when I had looked at it, it was like all the, the planets were lined up a certain way. Apparently, this doesn't happen all the time. It happens like once every, I don't know how many years, because we tried to recreate it at the exact same time and date a year later to see if we could somehow get anywhere close to it. We've never been able to do it since. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking because we don't know. We know it's intelligent, you know, like, like because we're having dialogue and they're responding to questions. We're conversing. Yeah. And and that was that. It's just like. For them you know, to describe us, though. Exactly yeah. Exactly as we were saying. Right. I want to respond to this. You should have reported to the Coast Guard or Navy <laughs> and say what? We were playing with this <laughs> Coast Guard. And, <laughs> and holy crap, I think this um, is what happened. I um, just think they would have looked at us like we were a little bit on, on the yeah. Fruit Loop side. And some, believe me, we questioned ourselves. And, and 
I have listened to that recording over and over. I have talked to to friends of mine, you know, in the Navy and 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 you know the um, not so much the Air Force, the Army, just trying to get some insight into it. And nobody, people, just sort of like so many were lost. Were you, did you understand his name when he said it, or did the did the it muffled out? It goes. He said, "Major, blah blah blah." Cut out. He goes, "Ma'am." Yeah. It was, it was like, Major Dan or Daniel. Something. Like, something. But I didn't get his last name. Wow. wow. No. It's just, it, it, it cuts out, you know? Yeah. And then it was very loud because you could hear these propellers in the background. Um, yeah. You know, they might have a weird desk. Okay, I want to talk to Mulder. <laughs> How do you do it if yeah. I could get Mulder? Yeah. yeah, I understand completely. Believe me, we thought about that. We thought, how do you... Um, how do you, how do you verify this? Like yeah, you want to know who he was. I know what's in your heart. You want to know that they were okay and they made it home. That's what you want to know. Every, yes. Like, but you know? everything was dark. I said, what do you see? They said, nothing. Everything is dark. It's all, it's just dark. It's black. We're just like, and I'm just like, Oh my God. You know, and the conversation was dated. The speech was dated. Right. You know, how, like we speak yeah. now. And if we're speaking quick, we'll we'll say, I'm gonna do this. Right. There was none of that. Yeah. It was proper speech. It was proper English. And yeah. I would not want to anything to do with CIA, but thanks for the thank you. Well, people <laughs> have tried to report all kinds of premonitions and stuff, and it just rarely goes well if you try to contact authorities and say, oh, <laughs> No, this, the president's gonna be assassinated or what have you. Yeah, yeah, he's just yeah, we could just go away. We don't need that. But but I mean I will I will always want and feel that that need to keep trying and hope that one day maybe we could hit on it again. And it would be curious to see like I don't think it's a residual because of the answers we were getting. Right. But it would be nice no just to for them. Yeah. It was yeah. a real time for them. And you, you were just intersecting one another. Yeah. You may yeah. have given them a giant heads up. Do you realize that? That maybe this happened to wake them up enough to realize, you know, we're in a situation and we now need to figure out, we need to do better than we are right now to get to where we need to go. Or if they were gone already, that they, they now know that they need to get out of that, that they need to look for the door. Okay. It, mm -hmm. it might've been an opportunity for you to help them with that. It, it can happen. I've heard of I, that. I, I can only hope so because yeah. we both stopped and looked at each other. And the times that this whole thing continued again, because right after that session, we got so it, it stopped and then something else came through or someone yeah. else. Do you remember that one? Yeah, I do. It was um, there was a, a, a man from the south. And we were trying to get the, the pilots back. And all of a sudden, because Michelle's saying, are you there? Are you still there? And this gentleman, you know, with a strong southern accent, well, well, hello there. Well, how are you? He's like, I'm doing well. Thank you, ma'am. And how are you? And then he was gone. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And then some cranky woman came through and just like, oh, so that was weird. Yeah, that, that was, was that weird one. Weird. You yeah. got to try to do it OBE. I can do this OBE. Okay. And I took Preston back in time to the dinosaurs and let him look at them and giants. I showed him real giants. And um, it dawned on me, specifically dawned on me that I thought for some reason in my mind, we were only seeing them. And then they noticed us, him, Preston specifically. You could tell them. That's the joy of OBE. Yeah, I, 
that was yeah. a weird experience because you're totally awake when you're out of body. I mean, you know you're awake and what you're seeing is real. And of course, I was fascinated by giants having recently discovered that there were in fact giants on earth, who knew? But they were, you know, gosh, I'm gonna say about 20 feet tall or so, maybe 18 and red hairs and looking very Viking with mm. kind of wrist stars and leathers and craggy skin and, you know, not particularly handsome, but really <laughs> ruddy kind of complexions. Mm. And I was kind of looking at them fascinated because they had big, you know, weapons and stuff. Mm -hmm. And one of them turns and looks right at me. And Dolly's standing behind me and I'm looking and, it's, and it comes and it grabs for me. And yeah, I lean back no, and Dolly no. jumps in front. I'm running around in circles trying to yeah. evade this thing. And Dolly's like pulls me off. I'm like, we're leaving now. Uh, yeah, you need to end up like the main course. <laughs> yeah. I, find, I looked up, you know, the images we have of giants on the internet. And I searched and I finally found one that looked exactly like what we saw. Mm -hmm. yeah. And yeah, I would say three times a person's height's 18 feet. Right. Felt right. 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 It's very cool because you, you know they're out there. And I think just through natural ability, just through technology, um, and I didn't mean to cut you off, Wayne, either. Um, so I'll back up real quick just to that one, then we're going to move on. Do you remember what that last session was? Yeah, it was like the, the cranky woman because it started off with no, a it was like it was in a very low tone. And he said, in the beginning, they were kind to us, but then they turned. And Michelle says, Who are you talking about? And then this woman comes on, she goes, Be quiet, he's trying to explain <laughs> it to you. I had my ass handed to oh, me. Basically, in the same words or different words, but the same meaning, basically saying they encountered someone who were their friends and helped them, but then they became their enemy. And Michelle's like, who? Who was your enemy? Just, will you just be quiet and let him talk? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That but is absolutely I, funny. It was weird because it's like they were kind to us in the beginning, and then they turned on us. And I'm like, yeah. like, what were we, this time slip, like, what were we what do we tap into? Do you still play with this thing? Do you still have <laughs> Yeah, it's not as much lately. You're kidding. You can't have gold like that and not go back to it. Yeah, right. Well, I'm curious. I record everything. Everything is well, recorded. ET can do this. They have the technology to do this. ET has come through this thing numerous yeah, times. Yeah. Well, they yeah. took me out when I was like five and a half, almost six years old. And yeah. me, we, we flew, first we flew to Sweden, okay? I didn't know where we were, but they took us to Sweden. And uh, then they brought me back in time to a specific place and took me to a party. And they said, you need to be very careful. Don't, don't touch anything. You know, don't eat cake. Don't nothing. Just right. sit there. And I was afraid to put my feet on the ground. So I kept my knees up on the bench. We were outside. Okay. Right. We were there for, I don't know, probably an hour or two or whatever. And the guy there is an artist and it was his daughter's birthday. And uh, he drew us all. He took turns and we all got drawn by him and he drew the party and he was working on things while we were out there. And they said, okay, 
get up. And they couldn't see them. I could see E.T., but they couldn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, come with me. And we backed out. We walked down like a little grassy knoll towards some water. And they took me by the hand and we left. And um, they made me take my clothes off and drop them on the ground. Mm-hmm. I kept the kerchief. I refused to give it up. Okay. Um, years and yeah, I don't think about this anymore. This is just something that happened to me when I was a little kid. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then years later, my great grandmother, now here's the funny thing, you mean language. They spoke formal Swedish, you know, uh, like, uh, uh, hello, that's the formal way. Now they say, hey, dude, they totally changed the language around. Mm-hmm. I did not know that I spoke because of my great grandmother, formal Swedish. Okay. And I spoke to them just perfectly. And it took me as a teenager to realize I had to relearn a bunch of words from my cousins. And my great grandmother's reading this book. And she opens it and she goes, oh, my God, that's you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she said, Dolly, come here. And I came in there, and there I am in this picture. It's Carl Larson picture, and that's me. She said, that's you in it. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. And then I'm thinking, who took that? They didn't have, did they have photography? And she said, Dolly, that's Carl Larson. He drew it. This is my relative way, 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 way back in the 19, early 1900s. And I'm like, no kidding. And I had to, like, I mean, had photo like you know cameras back in yeah. the 1900s. Yeah, when they me out, and I mean it's me. You can't mistake it. It's me. I have pictures of me as a child, and that photo it's identical. Mm-hmm. You know, the facial dimensions, yeah. everything. It's me. I know me. I was there. Right. And uh, I said, "How did you do that?" When I got older, when I was learning from them, and they said, "We can walk you back through and change the dimensional time space." that you're in and slip you in. Mm-hmm. The fact that you use time slipping blows my brains out because ET uses that terminology exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there's all kinds. I did a whole show on time slips and and, yeah. and butterfly effect and all that. And it's yeah. it was amazing, the information that's out there. But speaking about your dinosaur excursion, Preston, do the dinosaurs look like they are depicted in art and movies of today? Um, yeah, for the most part, I, I, that part kind of slipped away from my memory. Unfortunately, I remember remembering if that makes any sense. Right. <laughs> right. The giants, that, that didn't leave me because that was the traumatic part. Right. But, but yeah, it was that earlier part was a bit more dreamlike in my own memory. But yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I didn't see any feathered dinosaurs which i'm you know they talk about now which i'm sure are probably true but the ones i they saw are, they did. they're normal yeah were they did they have feathers yes some <laughs> of them. Yeah. Like a big ostrich is like really a velociraptor i don't know <laughs> no i don't remember i'm i wish yeah. i did uh, right that's okay really one thing i want to point out too here is that when we're using that portal i don't remember the movie i don't know if it's called contact or not but where the the giant eggs come from from the great beyond and they have like octopus kind of creatures inside. Abbott and Costello. I remember that contact. It's a movie, right? Mm -hmm. But what was interesting, one of the times we were using the portal during contact, they, they nicknamed these two aliens that look like squids or whatever. Abbott and Costello. And they talked a certain way. Like they, they had this big kind of like that. And we're listening and we're doing all kinds of stuff. That voice, that blah, 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 comes through. And we're looking, well, where do we hear this? I'm like, listening to the movie. And I go, it's that movie. We watched a movie. And I'll tell you, we were asking him a couple of questions. And that voice changed its 
unrecognizable sound and it went Abbott. Just like that. And we looked at each other. This is an alien. I laugh from my freaking idiot. <laughs> That's definitely ET's. Oh, that was wild. It went on and on and on. It got so emotional. Oh, it was amazing. Unbelievable. Unbelievably emotional. When you RV it, you know, like, because I was like, okay, Bob, I just got to watch this shit while I'm doing it because I don't know why it was in the back of my head. And, and, you know, describing all kinds of things. But I'll tell you, they come in. They give you messages, they 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 give you warnings. And it was interesting because they use the word torch. Like they don't come out and say flashlight or anything like that. Like they like it a little bit darker because of the LED lights, you know, and they're like, remember the torch. I was like, okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, you know, but it, it, it is, you know, super, super interesting. Um, I'm gonna mention another another case. I'm gonna put up, I'll put up the image first. Okay, and then we can get on to um, stories. Preston's got ET war stories I'd like to hear. So this one here is Agnes Whiteland visited by time travelers during World War I. An event that took place in England where Agnes was peering out of her balcony when she noticed a round platform in the air. It was described as a 30 centimeter thick and diameter of roughly 3.5 meters and 9 meters off the ground, roughly 100 feet away from her. It didn't appear to have any propulsion engines, or nor did it produce any actual noise. There were 8 to 12 men standing in a circle on the platform, and they seemed to be watching or looking for something, and they looked like military personnel. The event has been researched by many experts, and the results of that could not find, and there's no valid explanation, for this sort of transport, it was deemed an isolated event. Aside from noticing that the uniforms were not of the present, it was determined that they were visitors from the future. The event remains pretty much unsolved. And there it is. This is you know Agnes, and this is a depiction of what she saw. Okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Chime in, peeps. <laughs> I remember when this was played out all over the internet and Facebook, someone got a hold of this case and started posting it. But the day before, I dreamt about it. I saw that whole thing. <laughs> That's I'm crazy. Like, this, I'm like, wow, that is the weirdest UFO <laughs> I've ever seen. This can't be real. What is this? And of course, the next day, it was all over the internet. Yeah, you're definitely not gifted, Preston, at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, even yeah. know. I mean, yeah. I'm interested on Dolly's opinion on that, because that does not sound like ET to me. I don't know, though. I mean, I I don't, it's different. It happened. When, when, when was this report made? Uh, let me grab it. Let me grab it. I got to go back and find it. <laughs> um, World War One. <clears throat> the World War One. So, I mean, you know, we're okay. not talking you, World you know War II with, with the Nazi bell or stuff. You know? No, in a Nazi bell. No, I can tell you that. Uh, ETs have different types of transports. And depending on the time they're in, they use certain kinds. Like, we're we got used to our group, like Wayne said, it's it's wherever you're at and the technology that at, and they'll allow you to see them a certain way. Talata is a cuttlefish, literally. He can make himself look like anything he wants to. He very rarely shows out as he really is, okay? You're looking at a woman way back then who would not understand seeing something like Talata come down. It would send her into a what is it, apoplexy or whatever, she would have a 
heart attack and drop dead and die from it. It would frighten her that much. So they present to you in that time frame, wherever they're at, as you would understand it. So she was seeing what they wanted her to see so that she would be okay with what she saw. It's not from the future. They, they will literally present to you the way you can take it because they're reading your mind the whole way. Remember that, okay? Mm-hmm. They know where you are. They know what your technology level is. They know what you can handle, what you can't handle. And they won't give you the full monte. I mean, think well, of that this. makes sense because it reminds me of the Father Gill sighting in Papua New Guinea, which was a 1950-something sighting where a whole bunch of people saw this, including you know a reputable witness, Father Gill. And the ETs were on a platform with a little railing. It was on top of the ship, but it was... Definitely not your average flying saucer. They're up there kind of waving back and yeah, everyone waving. was waving to them. And if you just erase the UFO part, it would be exactly the same. Right. If they have that ability. So perhaps yeah. that's what's going yeah. on there. And they can open, like, um, okay, I'm going to give you for example. Um, we're capable of opening a port, a port, okay, in the side of the craft. And the grays can actually climb out on it and sit on the edge of it in atmosphere. And they do from time to time. I don't know what the heck that is, but they'll do it, you know, especially if they're showing off. They but do- you're looking at grace, like you're looking at a clear ET, like these right. look like humans. Right. Well, they're humanoid ETs. Not yeah. all ETs are grace. Some right. of them are, you know, look like sure, of course. you know, of course. short, tall, whatever. And then they'll just come out and show you who they are. But right. though, that could have been a dimensional shift too, couldn't it? It could have been a craft from another dimension. That's why they're looking around like we've beamed into the wrong spot. Yeah. E.T. will not come back from the future. Coming back from the, okay. Like I'm the future that I went back to and it was very controlled situation. And it was somebody I was related to. I spoke the language. It was a natural setting for me to be in. I did not think about it too much. Okay. And I explicitly did what I was ordered to do by them. I made no bones about being as careful as possible. I didn't frighten anybody. I was well accepted by everybody, blah, 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 blah. If you have a being come through the future back into the past physically, I was not physically there. I was interdimensionally there. They could see me. I looked solid, but I was not there. Mm. It is impossible to physically come back from the future into the present. The ET can't do it. They won't. They can't. Okay. Nobody can. I've been taught that. They will die if they try. There is nothing. And it's like this. A physical timeline is what we're on. And you learn three things from this. The past is empty in this timeline, in this third dimensional space. You have the memories of it, but it no longer exists. It's gone. You're in the present always, okay, when we're here in the third dimension. Well, some will tell you there's no past, there's no future. There's no future. So a physical being to go into the past would cease to exist. If a physical being went into the future, same way. It's we can't physically travel in. Uh, if they were getting out and people were seeing them and they were physical and touching the ground and interacting with them, they were here in this dimension with us. They were physically here. So you were seeing ET as they were letting you see them. So if, if they can't do it, then everything that you're reading about, about time travel and, and yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. It's imagination, okay. big time. Preston, do you have any more UFO war no, I mean, sightings? This yeah. one is a very curious sighting, which took place in Ireland, which relates to this, certainly. 
And uh, one I just recently read about, there was this car mechanic, you know, a professional qualified mechanic who was bicycling home. Gosh, I don't remember the date. I believe it was mid-1970s. And this was at night, and he sees this star-like object, but it's getting brighter fast. And he realizes, oh, this thing is moving towards me. So he gets off of his bike, and he's looking at it. And this darn thing comes and stops right over his head. And he can now see that this is what we would call a UFO. But it's not normal. <laughs> this is not a normal UFO by any means because it's got this kind of thin strip on the bottom. And the top is this clear dome. And it looks like a car, like a bubble car is how he described it. And he can see perfectly inside of it. He's really quite afraid at this point. And what he sees is so strange because he sees a corridor down the center and there's four seats on either side facing each other. And in the seats are four men on one side, short hair, military crew cuts, wearing what looked like army jackets. And on the other side are four women, all with shoulder length hair, all in their 20s. All the people are in their 20s and wearing, again, military clothes with skirts. And so he's looking at these, these are normal looking people. And as a mechanic, he can see, he can see inside this thing. Mm -hmm. There are no controls. There's no method of propulsion. There's no steering wheel. There's no panels. It's just seats, a dome, and a tiny strip on the bottom. And he watches him for about three minutes. <laughs> and as they start to move away, he gets this incredible feeling of longing. He had been really scared, but now he wants to go with them. He's like, take me, take me. And they didn't, and it zoomed off silently, by the way, no sound whatsoever. And so I'm thinking, you know, is this military or is this ET? Because these are ladies wearing skirts. These are guys wearing army jackets. These are normal looking people who he felt had been specifically chosen for this mission, whatever it was but never waved him, never acknowledged him in any way, even though they were within, I think it was 200 feet. So mm. I don't know what to think of that sighting. It's Right, right. It's, it's, I don't know. I mean, are we, I mean, maybe we're meant to see sightings, but maybe we don't really know. Maybe only the individuals involved are meant to know. And maybe they, maybe they do know. Maybe, like, I mean, I've had experiences I don't remember them all. I remember some of them. And apparently it's because I don't want to, for my own safety, I don't want to know what everything is. Yeah. You know, sometimes, I mean, weird things happen. Lord only knows. Yeah. I've had so much weird stuff happen. I don't even question it anymore. It's just like, okay, that's great. <laughs> maybe, maybe at some point, you know, and, but if you're going way back then, and you definitely wouldn't have talked about that. I mean, there are soldiers on their deathbeds from World War, you know, there are reports of World War I soldiers on their deathbed, World War II soldiers saying, I want to tell you that this happened. I saw it with my own eyes. I was threatened. I couldn't talk about it. So I don't know. I mean, if you're looking at the time period of this sighting, maybe the information was just very limited. I don't know. It was probably ET press. It wasn't military. And they can show any way they want to and wear skirts as all. Mama wears dresses, gingham, you know, dresses. She likes them for some weird reason. She loves them. Uh, they can do that. Um, I have been uh, never been 
on a very small craft and gone to see people and stuff like that. I've only transported in them to Talata from because he can't come all the way down for me at that point. Um, but I know that they do it. I've heard them talking about it. Yes, they do. Uh, it is, if you're being visited by ET, it's for a reason they want you to see them. It, it is a deliberate act on their part that you should remember and they're influencing you somehow to see them a certain way. And, and, you know, I don't know what he did in his life or, you know, what he accomplished in his life, but something changed him a little bit. I'll bet money on it. And he went in a direction that he was probably destined to do. You know what I'm saying? It is everybody who has contact that remembers it. If you, if you did a, a census of everybody, let's say, did this change your life in any way? Did you change how you think about things? And you're going to get a yes somewhere along the line. Somehow they're impacted by all of this. And ETs have been doing this for centuries. I mean, it's not just us. It's all the way back, you know? Right. We saw. It's all the way back. I'm sure Helen of Troy saw them. It is, uh, it's just them influencing you to make you think about what you're doing and what's really going on around you. You know, it's their attempt to- I know the ETs came down in 1945 over Edwards Air Force Base in force and absolutely changed the way the military dealt with the UFO subject because so many people were seeing them. This is right before the modern age of UFOs even began. And Dan Hynek was brought to that to try to study it. And he's like, oh my gosh, there is something going on here that is unexplained and absolutely changed everything about how they felt about this phenomenon. Mm. I don't like that word really because it's not right. just people. Right. They, were, they go over military bases all the time and put on displays. And Edwards mm. has been targeted. Another word I don't really like, but targeted, yeah. accurate. Yeah. <laughs> over and over and over again to mm. let them know we're here, we're here, we're here, we're here. Right. And they're still they're still doing it. So let's fast forward into modern times a little yeah. bit uh, and dealing with, you know, what what the military and all of our our armed forces are experiencing. I mean, obviously now they've made a decision like, OK, we want to know. We want to know what's going on. We're, we're just going to yeah. say face and say, yeah, OK, so. They already know. Look at look at that night that we drove back along River Road when we were living in Niagara. We we're literally across the river from one of the U.S. military Air Force bases, and that that iridescent thing flew across the front of the car. Do you remember that, Michelle? I do. Yeah. <laughs> we like I saw it. She saw it. It was it was the only way I could describe it was like a clear garbage bag filled with purple light. It was iridescent, like mother of pearl. And it yeah. looked across the highway in front of us. It was higher. You're going to have to be a deer. Sorry. Yeah, we, that's we, had, yeah. we had to look at our surroundings and realize that a deer to jump up the height of a stop sign would have to work up enough running speed to leap up. And right beside the road, you look down, there's like 450, 500 foot drop, nothing no way that it could pick up speed at all. Go ahead, finish up, Wayne. I just wanted to clarify that because we kind of jumped over. I wanted to get an idea of the size of this thing. Yeah, so then we both, we like it was that I saw it, Michelle saw it, and we kind of drove for a minute. And I said, Did you see that? She says, Oh my God, I thought I, I was the only one. <laughs> but nobody we, wants we to be that guy. <laughs> we looked and we should have been able to see it because there was just 
houses and forest and, and cottages type of thing. And there was nothing there. And we didn't know what it was, but it brings about this experience. I had one cold January night in my backyard. I parked the car. It was four in the morning because I was working nights. And it was a crystal clear sky. I was absolutely beautiful. Stars were out and deadly quiet because it was so early in the morning. And I could hear something coming from the north, northwest. And it made a sound like this. It was like, and I, I looked up and there was nothing. But I could, that sound went slowly, drifted right over the house, right over me. It went from northwest to southeast across the river. And, and it, I was going to say it disappeared, but it wasn't there to begin with. But I could hear the sound get closer, go right over me and disappear. And honestly, Preston, it was like you said, it was probably a couple hundred feet, if that. It, it was that you could almost touch it kind of feeling, but it was nothing there. Couldn't see it. Wow. Yeah, you had a cloaked UFO over your head, and you also saw a fifth dimensional entity spying on you from the craft. Yeah. Talata can do that. It comes off as a weird purplish, glowy yeah. streak of It's off. a big craft, though, because you're talking a very yeah. tall huge. house, yeah. with a tower, and yeah. a big house. Yeah, when I remote view, I'm about as big as this, okay? People see me in a white, well, it's blue. I come off as blue. He comes off as the size of a car, and he's purpley, and it's the fifth dimensional entities. They're spying on you. They can't get close to you with the craft, so they're coming down for a real look at you, and it's his consciousness coming down to have a look at you. It's called spying, and they do it all the time. Yeah? Well, we're nearing the top of the hour, so who fi fi final round shall we say so who wants to go first i think the, the last thing i want to close with was talking about different things happening at the same time i was coming home michelle was at home already and she was working with a colleague and i came down a a, a backwards road that i normally don't take and a light flew out of the gorge, out of the Niagara Gorge. Yeah. <laughs> and it was through the trees. And at the distance it was, it was the size of a basketball, but that's like hundreds of feet. So it had to be a decent size. Right. But that thing kind of floated up out of the gorge. I could see it. And then boom, it, it went up so fast that when I looked up past the windshield of my truck, I couldn't see anything. So I pulled over for a quick second. I text her. I knew she was working, and I said, you are not going to believe what I just saw fly out of the gorge. Meanwhile, I didn't know they were already remote viewing the gorge. <laughs> they were already aware of what was in the gorge and had no idea that I was about to text them. It was just validated. I, yeah. home, was <laughs> I know. I bet you I would. <laughs> four, four kilometers home. Yeah. By the time I was pulling in the driveway, there was like the black helicopters and and whatever F, chasing the heck out of it, yeah, something flying overhead at, at high speed, going after whatever the hell that was. And I'm like, wow, this is like right out of a movie. This is cool. <laughs> so I'll leave you with that story. That's totally awesome. Okay, cool. Preston, you next. Dolly <laughs> finished right. off. Well, let's let's go back to the whole time thing because. You know, I've always lived a sequential life pretty much until <laughs> around age 20 or so when I started having out-of-body experiences and everything was turned on its head because almost every time I was able to get out, I would come back with a, a precognitive dream nice. of some kind. 
And it got to be the weirdest thing because when your dream plays out in front of you, all of a sudden reality kind of bends and little lights start sparkling around you and you're walking into a dream and you know what's going to happen. And <laughs> yeah. it is the craziest feeling. Right. I'll never forget, like, I'm like, oh, I've had another one of these dreams. There's a criminal. He's stuck in somebody's chimney. He's been there for three <laughs> days and they're tearing apart the roof to get him out. And I turned on the TV and there he was. I'm like, they're... And I watched it all play out. I've got so many examples of this. Probably one of the best was I had a dream that they found a woolly mammoth in the ice. And usually it's the next day or something, but sometimes it's a week or two. Mm. And I, took, I had the presence of mind to tell my sister-in-law, Christy, I'm like, they're going to find a woolly mammoth in the ice. They're going to chop it out. It's going to be in a block. And they're going to pull out its stomach contents. And they're going to find all this fresh grass and stuff inside of it. And sure enough, they did a whole PBS special on it. And I saw the helicopter carrying it in the block of ice in the dream. And sure enough, there it was. Yeah. So we can sense the future. And you can mm -hmm. go in the past, too. I've done that. Mm -hmm. um, it is just the weirdest and the coolest feeling when you have precognition. <laughs> like, right. I know what's going to happen. Yeah. Especially if you can tell somebody about it and verify it. Because then you're like, ha, huh? you know, now you have to believe me. So you can remember it then. Because I know some people will have premonitions and such. And they don't always remember it. They say, write this down. I've had people say to me, because I've worked with phenomenally gifted people through the years, and like, write this down when I tell you, because chances are I won't remember it, and I don't write things down because I don't want them found. Um, and I'm like, okay. And then stuff happens. I go back into the notes. I'm like, holy crud. Do you remember? you remember the mall person? Usually, but I've had what I would call retro precognition, right. <laughs> which is a couple of weeks later, I remember having precognition of an event that's already happened. Happen. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember that one. I remember. I called it. <laughs> which is useless, but right. ret retro precognition is what I would call that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> hey, damn it, take it. <laughs> you own it, take it. <laughs> Dolly. Um, oh, I guess I want to leave everybody with the fact that um, we're capable of way more than you realize. And the journey to figure it all out is a joyous one. And y'all need to go for it. You know, do whatever it is you can do. Stop letting the world come in on you and put things that are not real on you and look for the real. It's joyous to do so. And then the other thing I want to say in the end of all of this is just remember, be present for everything. And, and verify everything. That's the most important thing. You don't, you, you, the fastest way you can learn what's right, true, or real is test it. And, and once you begin that journey, there's no telling how far you're going to go with this in this lifetime. Go for it. Absolutely. You should try. So. And I basically just want to leave it with, um, with this. We live in an amazing, amazing place. And interesting times to say the least and there are things going on that some people will recognize other people want nothing to do with it whatever the case may be things are happening i highly highly always suggest like i'm always saying please be a participant in your own life get out there explore you know just evolve awareness and evolution is so important we're literally energy, soul essence, having a human experience. And part of that human experience 
it goes far beyond existing. Take a look at everything. Don't miss a thing. And just wait and see what happens because it's happening all around you. It's just whether or not you choose to recognize it or not. So with that being said, the final close. Thank you all for tuning in. You guys in chat have been awesome. Uh, we really appreciate you. You make that show much, much more interesting and a whole lot of fun. Big thank you to Wayne Mallows, author of The Vampire Tales, Miss Dolly Saffron, Preston Dennett, The Lightgate, Monday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. You know how to find them. <laughs> so, And, of course, you'll find us tomorrow night with the return of Les Valles. And he's just a gem. We we just love him. We're glad he's joining us again. He's going to be discussing um, the impact of the congressional hearings on the UAP phenomenon, the impact it's going to have on experiencers and the stigma that surrounds it. Um, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this specific interview because he's just, he's very informative and he's just such a nice man he's so tune in guys I, I wish i could give more information i just i don't i don't have it all in front of me unfortunately i don't even know what happened to his book cover that i had out here is this it ah sorry guys here it is it's called the unknown other and the existential proposition of alien contact that's why i couldn't just spit that out because it's a tongue twister for sure anyway again thank you all from dolly wayne preston and myself have a great night and we'll see you tomorrow thanks everyone good night Bye. good night, good night.